This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. Big explosion celebration. All the glory. After snacks. Wait, what was that? So come on down to Mattress Max. (laughs) I thought you said something about snacks and I was equally excited. Oh, that would have been better. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. We have missed you so much. This feels like the longest time we've been apart from one another. I don't know that it actually is, but it feels like it. It just feels like it was a very long break. Maybe that was also because I was recovering from literal surgery. (laughs) And everything felt like it was slow and boring and awful, but we are here. We have landed. It is two nights before Samhain. Wild. So excited. This Best year was one of, it's, it's funny because I feel like time, time, what is time? It's not um, real anyway. So very fake, but I feel like this was one of those years that I agree. Like most of it, like through the summer felt like long. The beginning of this year felt ages like multiple years passed right in the beginning of this year and then summer hit and it just like fast forwarded to the end yeah it does feel that way it was like a very like toilet paper year that way (laughs) that's great I've never heard that before that's amazing you haven't heard that saying where it's like as life what is it like life is like a toilet paper roll like the closer you get to the end the faster it goes there it goes (laughs) quite morbid I'm like a little depressing but I'm not mad about it but it does make sense it truly does like it feels like up until your like adolescence it feels like the longest period of your life and then you get your midlife crisis and everything just goes in a blur girl for real also it's just funny the way we talk about things like midlife crisis um you know how in your human brain we all just default to thinking that we're going to live 100 years like that's just your default number no, your Saturn return is your first midlife crisis. Like mm-hmm. your, your thirties are very potentially your midlife also kind of morbid. Um, go do some cardio today, <laughs> yeah. uh, work out your heart and eat some green leafy vegetables. Cause some mobility training, <laughs> <laughs> writing for doctors has changed the way I do some things, but also, yeah, it's just funny. We have some new changes. Also contributed to the chaos of this summer. Our beloved Cheyenne (laughs) is no longer in Colorado. I'm sure everyone saw my Instagram post and was like, oh my God, are they breaking up? Is this over? No, it is not. We are still coming to you just from afar, thankfully, because of this virtual environment we all live in. We can still keep podcasting together. Exactly. Not like we haven't been doing that anyway, but (laughs) right. Yeah. So I'm in Arizona now. I am in uh Scottsdale and honestly I've been doing better than I than we all thought I would so I'll take she has it not melted away I'm I'm doing all right I do she's not adapting and thriving we've met some people um I will say here's my biggest Arizona complaint late on me people do not drink coffee the way that I like to drink coffee here um, Iced. 
<laughs> well, it's all, it's like, it's only chains. Oh, it's, it's like just Starbies, just Dutch bros, just Dunkin' because they all do iced coffee. Well, which like, mm-hmm. fine. I'm not, not going to pretend like I'm not, Oh, to be fair, I'm a Dutch bros girl now that we've moved here, but I'm not going to pretend like I'm not a basic Starbies bitch, but <laughs> I love a coffee shop and I, they are hard to find here. Like a small, cozy mom and pop coffee shop because people aren't going and drinking hot coffee. Mm. So that's been my biggest struggle is finding, finding my cozy coffee shop vibes. That honestly, that is a very valid complaint though, because there is something about the vibe of a really cozy coffee shop that just feels a little like home, you know? Yeah. Like a home away from home. However, there is for all my Denver witches who are super, super sad when book bar closed this year in Mm. January, there is a book bar in downtown Phoenix that I have not gone to yet, but is very highly reviewed and it is called First Draft. So that's cute not cute it's a good name so I'm that like, is a really good name that's like a good it's a good setup I will I'm and I'm assuming I mean they have beer and wine obviously but maybe they'll have coffee too so I will report back because I know all of you are desperate to know where I'm getting my lattes here absolutely we're all on the edge of our seats <laughs> <laughs> uh well speaking of yeah beverages what you drinking <laughs> well today I am drinking a margarita, obvies, because obvies. it's season one or se- episode one of season five. So it feels like you can't start OBMM without a margarita. It feels like tradition at this point. But I'm drinking a little blood orange margarita because I wanted it to be the same color as like Halloween vibes. So Ooh, I love that. I'm drinking. What are you drinking? I am drinking a Kirkland Signature pre mixed Costco margarita work with what you got because that is our that is our vibe around here <laughs> that is the vibe today uh that, that is also pre I'm not fancy so <laughs> I did put some cute little black salt around the rim to give us our midnight mag it is very cute midnight mags vibes I don't know why I became Matt Damon for a second it's, we got to get the episode one willies out y'all you're gonna hear yeah. some like slip-ups and stuff like that we're coming at you real 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 Coming at you real. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> my favorite thing is to like mortify my husband with all the new hip lingo. I mean, it's what the kids are saying. During 2020, when he came home with toilet paper, because that was a thing, right? I was like, wow, that's such a hard flex. And he's like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> <laughs> and it's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. We got our Marg vibes. Ooh. Already um, a jumper. I know. I don't know. If, oh, God. A double okay. jumper. Okay. This, this duck is down. speaking. So we're, I'm still shoveling. No one be mad. Those <laughs> were, I'm, I'm not cheating. This deck is bigger in size than my usual deck. And I think things are jumping because I'm just not very good at shuffling it. So no fair. We're gonna, we're gonna actually set some intentions for the first season. Uh, we are drawing a card today. This is a very special deck. God damn it. She was fine until we started recording. Telly, Telly coming in like a menace. Oh my gosh. Your leggings are so tan. I literally thought you just showed me your butt. 
That's funny. Yeah, they're like mustard yellow. <laughs> they show up very like like close to your skin tone on line here. That's very funny. I'm sorry. Uh, I am wearing. I mean, I wouldn't have been upset. That would have been a good way. Confirm to the listeners that I am wearing pants today. (laughs) I will only show you my butt if you consent to it previously. (laughs) But oh, okay, maybe that's the one. This is hilarious. (laughs) Okay, I'm so excited. No, it can it can be the one. This is so funny. Okay. So we're drawing today. I'm sorry, friends. I I'm getting it together. Here I am. <laughs> we're drawing from our mystic Martian Oracle deck. Shut up. Is that really what it's called? Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> In honor of aliens being real, which we already knew. Duh. Yeah. Like that's why no one was shocked. It was because like, we all knew old news. In honor of the aliens, we are drawing from our mystic Martian Oracle. This was a gift last season from uh, Mandy who is a dear listener of ours. Oh, thank you, Mandy. <laughs> but this card is so funny. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to have to post a picture. It is not safe for work. This card that we have drawn. I will just let you know that. This is such a great way to start the season. I'm so excited. It is, it is slutty in the best way. Um, so we have drawn the Nagas, Ooh. which are, uh, they represent lovers, erotica, and sensuality and I'm gonna go I'm gonna show shale this card (laughs) and then we'll describe it to you are those like leopard mermaids (laughs) oh my god there's so much going (laughs) oh oh my god amazing okay so this (sighs) card yeah so it's a it's a swirly pink and purple background it is two uh from the waist up hominid creatures uh, a seemingly male and female uh in front of a moon they are about to make out he has a man bun very hot she has beautiful gigantic breasts that he is pinching (laughs) one of (laughs) currently and then their bodies turn into snakes oh those are snakes yeah it's like python yeah they look like mermaids to me so mermaid snake Slutty mermaid snake vibes. Uh, we're into it. Leopard eels. That's what okay. I if we're talking about hot aliens, though. Oh no. <laughs> these ones arguably might be the hot ones. So <laughs> let me find them. I thought you were going to go off on a hot alien tangent. I mean, I want to desperately, but I've wasted <laughs> You're, people's like, time holding back. <laughs> I have already wasted people's time this morning, and also the background or the like. What, what do you call the backside of a tarot card? Oh, yeah. They very much have the vibe of, we were talking about it earlier, like very much have the vibe of like when you played solitaire in the late 90s and you could pick your own deck and they were had like the very like geometric pixely yeah. designs. That's what it looks It's like. almost kind of like a, it's like a Spencer's black light poster kind of vibe too. Literally. Yeah. Like that's, that's the move. So the Nagas, here we go. Ancient Hindu and Buddhist texts speak of the semi-divine serpent beings called Nagas. If I'm saying this incorrectly, somebody who knows Sanskrit, please correct me, uh, which is Sanskrit for serpent. The Nagas are described as powerful, very beautiful, and highly advanced snake reptoid beings that are advantageous to humans while also dangerously fearsome and temperamental if provoked. 
Ancient iconography depicts the Nagas with upper human faces and torsos and snake bodies from the waist down. Oh, okay. Nagas is male and Naginis is female. So I actually did know this. I like reading things and then having things click in your brain where I'm like, oh no, you, you did know about these guys. Some suggest the Nagas could be a human hybridized genotype from the alpha draconian race. We're going to have to do some alien research. Uh, like the alpha draconians, Nagas have the capacity to shapeshift into a total human form. The Nagas full form is fourth dimensional and not visible to the average low third vibrational human sensory perception. We are too basic and dumb to see these hot <laughs> snake aliens. I feel like that's so like relevant to what is actually happening. Oh, okay. It got interesting again. They're subterranean. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was on board. I I am on board with aliens from outer space. I am not on board with aliens that live in caves yeah. beneath the soil. I just, I can't get down with that. <laughs> Why is it creepier? I don't know. I don't know, but it's it terrifying. So they prefer to mainly reside in the deep, dense oceanic waters or subterranean citadels away from human populations. They are highly protective of their private environments. Unlike the terraforming, walking, talking humanoids, Nagas are more comfortable inhabiting the subtle, sensual energy fields where they fluidly regenerate their inbuilt elixir of immortality from the depths of the ocean. Wild. Okay, so card meanings. Telluride's now crying at the door to get back in. Uh, so they represent tantra, vitality, erotica, sensuality, sexual union, lovers, healthy lust, uh, kundalini, and desire. So... So what is it saying about season five? <laughs> it's going to be sexy. It barely season is. Five is going to be sexy. Uh, how is season five going to be sexy? What's our theme? What are we talking about this year? Our theme is like dark and spooky. This season. Dark and spooky is sexy. It's like dark romance vibes. Yeah. We are going to be sharing a lot more ghost stories with you. Some uh, true crime paranormal we're going to be talking about death the way we like to talk about death. Yeah, that's a regular occurrence here on the on the platform. And it's just going to be a real spooky time. I, I, I will say this season, as we have it planned now, is going to be our spookiest season yet. Yes. And we're really leaning into like the dark side of the witch, I would say, like where the witch shows up in folklore and just having some fun with it. You know, two witches really looking at what this looks like throughout history and just exploring a little. I'm so excited. In the it's going to be really fun. You are also going to be blessed with more episodes of, of just me and Shale talking your ears off about these really interesting stories. We have some really exciting guests for you planned too, but we've missed getting extra cozy. So we are uh -huh. doubling down on the campfire vibes and you're going to want to sleep with a light on after a lot of these episodes. And it actually means that we're doing like a bunch of research. Yeah. Like we're working for you this season, you know? Look out when walls can talk. <laughs> yeah, we're coming for you. <laughs> JK. Yeah, like we could ever meet his level of production. And yeah, Capricorn standards <laughs> are just beyond my human capabilities. But we love him. Shout out to Jeremy. He's back with a new season too. So 
head over. I was actually, as you were talking about the Nagas being underwater, it was making me think of an episode he had dropped in this Mm. new season about where Atlantis could actually be. Yeah, that's a really cool story. I love stuff like that, though. Like that, just the, I don't know, all of it. The Atlantis story is amazing. I mean, underground cave stories I'm into too. I like, I like civilization stories. That sounds weird. (laughs) I like knowing that people exist somewhere that they shouldn't. I like knowing that people existed somewhere weird and then they all got wiped out. (laughs) Then I like looking at pictures of it. Uh, That's so funny. You know, I just like my trauma porn to be ancient. It's different. Yeah. Right. Like there's some like separation there. <laughs> anyway it hit the same if it's like a civilization that just went away five years ago yeah it's not there's as no fun. mystery there's no allure <laughs> then my empathy kicks in <laughs> <That's right. laughs> not as not as adventurous um, okay any other housekeeping notes we missed yes oh, um, yes. if you have not noticed we have a glorious new logo to kick off season five, uh, once again, created by the amazing Latina Lucero. She is just phenomenal in everything that she does and has graced us with yet another beautiful work of art that we can't wait to plaster all over anywhere we can. This all season. over forever. Um, yes, we love Latina. If you are not familiar with Latina, go back to season four and listen to our episode about uh, folklore and reality meeting. Uh, it's a real spooky conversation and Latina is just a delight and a half. So it has the best stories. My gosh. Like mm-hmm. I could sit and listen to Latina's stories for hours and hours and hours and never get tired of it. Agreed. We have one other really exciting announcement to make too. What is that? We are going to make people do a little bit of work this season. We are. <laughs> we are. I'm so excited. I love when people have to work. I love giving everyone homework. (laughs) Um, So we're giving ourselves homework this season and you are welcome to join us, I guess is a better way to say it. We are giving ourselves some homework and some guidance and there will be a lot more information about this on our Instagram. So if you are not following us at Ouija boards and midnight marks all spelled out on Instagram, that is where the community building is happening. That is where the IRL gatherings are happening. That's where all the good information is. So if you want to work your magic these next 13, 15 weeks, because there'll be a little break in there, um, in season five of us, we are going to be doing a weekly working that will change and you will find it on the Instagram, all the information. Um, And we're kicking it off with a very seasonally appropriate first working (laughs) yeah so what it's called it's going to be called the weekly working challenge and what kind of inspired this is we've heard from a lot of you in the coven of the same kind of a similar challenge that Cheyenne and I run into quite a bit where it's like you know I struggle with my consistency in my workings or I get uninspired or life happens, right? Like, I don't know how much of a working that even Cheyenne and I have done over the summer because it's been chaotic AF, right? And so we got to thinking, you know, how can we help support not only ourselves in this, but our coven 
And so then we came up with the OBMM weekly working challenge. So it's going to be a hashtag that we all have online as well. Um, and so to kick us off, and again, as Cheyenne mentioned, we'll have all of this online. So this is just kind of a teaser, but we are asking everyone to create an altar, whether it's a Samhain altar, a seasonal altar where you're just giving ode to um, the autumn, maybe coming into the winter time, or you want to give an ode to sacred death, whatever that looks like for you. And if you are feeling open to it, we can all share photos with one another. We'll have a whole collective space to support each other through this. So can't wait to see what you all come up with. I know. I'm excited. I love seeing people's altars. It's I such a, such an intimate peek into somebody's practice and psyche. And uh, I'm always grateful when you share stuff like that with us. So I'm excited to get back into the season, have a more regular practice with everyone, have some accountability buddies. That accountability buddies. Yeah. So find us on Instagram. We'll talk about it more. It's going to be really exciting and really fun and really easy. We're not, yeah. you know, challenges you can do with things that are already in your home, things you already have, and it'll vary based on what we're talking about in each episode or what's upcoming, what time of year we're in. It's going to be or what you all want to do as well. Like we're going to be doing some opportunities where you all can contribute to it. What I also love is that there's like such a spectrum of practitioners in our <laughs> coven. So it can be a little bit of mentoring as well between one another. Like we're just really here to support each other as a network. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. And then, uh, we took a little bit of a break while I was moving over the summer, but the OBMM book coven is alive and well. So if you are interested in reading some witchy fiction and nonfiction with us this fall and winter, uh, details on how to join the book coven are on our Instagram as well. And it's such a cozy space. Like I, I love the book coven. I'm going to show you my butt one more time and let the cat back in. <laughs> Please do. This episode is brought to you by Sister Yarrow. Sister Yarrow is a gorgeous, handmade, and magical jewelry company located in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. Sister Yarrow pieces are not only witchy-focused, but crafted and owned by a real-life witch herself. Our amazing OBMM coven can get their hands on their very own pieces that feature aspects of nature, including crystals, bones, herbs, and sometimes even snakeskin sheds by using the generous 15% off discount offered exclusively to Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks podcast listeners. Use the code MARGS15 for 15% off your entire order. Again, that code is MARGS15, M-A-R-G-S-1-5 for 15% off your entire order. A huge thank you to Sister Yarrow for sponsoring our podcast. Okay, speaking of cats, now that we have gotten all of our season opener housekeeping out of the way, we are talking familiars today. Familiars. Um, you know what song has been stuck <laughs> in my head since we decided to do this first episode? Tell me. Uh, Superstition by Ricky Martin. That checks out. Like it's just on a loop perpetually. Just permanently there <laughs> taking up space <laughs> taking up space my valuable brain cell 
is currently occupied. Living rent free in your head as the young kids say these days. Oh, golly. <laughs> this does have an no old vibe, doesn't it? We are old. <laughs> Officially. Officially, Shale has joined me in the decade of 30. So. I have. I'm finally one of the three zeroers. Yeah, we are. We are ancient and we are on our way to death. So, you know, that's all right. It's fine. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. <laughs> on our way so to familiars. <laughs> familiars, familiars. Let's talk about them. What yeah. are familiars? What even are they? So a familiar is defined as more of like a conscious spirit that typically provides assistance to witches. They're usually seen as a witch's assistant of some kind, helping you in your workings, helping you on journeys, um, tend to murdering have your enemies that as well. <laughs> they tend to have like a spiritual psychic connection in a lot of ways, helping you to pass through those thresholds, um, that our little human brains tend to struggle with once in a while, but they don't necessarily have to be just this predisposition to animals either. So we're going to dive into the whole concept of familiars, where they came from and all of the things, because it's really interesting because when you think about today's kind of witchcraft practice, the concept of familiars is a little bit controversial in that it's not something that is inherent to witchcraft. Familiars are one of those things that was kind of imposed on witchcraft yeah. Um, which I find very fascinating. And like anything in this community, in this practice, right? If if familiars are something that I, I just want to have this put on the table at the beginning, but if familiars are something that you feel connected to um energetically or spiritually, that's completely fine. Like that is something you can incorporate into your practice, but that is kind of where the controversy comes into play, I guess, of the fact that this isn't something that's like natural to, to the practice. It was something that was kind of created. Um, but there has been a reclaiming of it, similar to a lot of aspects of witchcraft, right? Where there's this reclaiming, there's this empowerment that comes from taking this back for ourselves. So yeah, I'm excited to dive into that piece of this for sure. So we should probably talk about the most famous of familiars. Is that Salem? Or is it like a real familiar? <laughs> We can definitely go on a Sabrina tangent always, <laughs> but yes, it is. I mean, essentially, yes, it is Salem. It is Salem. It is Marie. It is the black cat. The black cat. Okay. Yes. So to understand the history of black cats and witches, we're going to travel back in time. <laughs> I like that little sound effect. <laughs> Uh, black cats have long been associated with superstitions, especially those related to witchcraft and the occult. Their dark fur and mesmerizing amber eyes have fueled tales of magic and mystery for centuries. But where did this begin? So to understand this history, we're in our time travel machine. We did it. Uh, <laughs> to ancient Egypt. So ancient Egyptians were among the first to revere black cats. Uh, they believed these felines were sacred, embodying the power of the goddess Bastet, who is both a protector of the home and a warrior. So killing a black cat, even accidentally, was punishable by death in ancient Egypt, because black cats were a divine connection to Bastet herself. Mm. Isn't that cool? Honestly, if anyone has had the 
honor and privilege of either having a black cat as a pet or just being able to interact with them, they do feel like they have this more like ethereal connection. Like you can totally see where a lot of the folklore comes from. Yeah. Cats. Cats are such an interesting creature in general. They truly are. Um, I don't know if anybody watched that Netflix documentary about cats. No, I heard what it was about and I like couldn't bring myself to watch it. <laughs> um, But cats essentially even are like quote unquote domesticated cats are not actually domesticated animals. Like we have not successfully domesticated the cat. Yeah, because you could like turn them loose tomorrow and they'd go right back she'll to be being fine. feral. Yeah, yeah. Tell her ride would just she'll just change. She'll go be more murderous than she is inside, and she'll live a great life. But if you watch like behaviors of wild cats, behaviors of inside cats, um, and specifically in like their connection with humans, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this cat is not here to serve you. This cat right. is like this cat is not your dog. Um. Hi, please don't bite. The case in point, this one is currently <laughs> she gets biting all feral. while I am petting her and saying nice things about her. Um, so yeah, cats are, cats are such an interesting, just critter in general, because you are literally living with wild animal in your home all the time. And I do feel like for people who often don't seem to like cats, I do feel like and I don't want to generalize, of course, because I like some people just don't vibe well with certain types of animals. I totally get that. But at the same time, it feels like people that don't seem to really like cats just have never really had the opportunity to really build a relationship with one. Because it is one of those where it's like, yes, they're not domesticated necessarily. But when you do have that special connection to a cat, like they're your life, like they Mm -hmm. just become so important and special. And I don't know, like dogs, unendlessly give you affection and loyalty and that's a very special thing but it's almost like when a cat also gives you that sort of deep love you're just like you feel like you've made it like this big achievement <laughs> of like connection to the animal world thing. yeah <laughs> yeah you're, like, exactly. you're building an actual relationship mm-hmm. um they're very intelligent yes and I love having them around I will always mm-hmm. have cats around for sure Let's talk about, let's, we'll, we'll broaden our lens. Sorry. I got excited about black cats. That I mean, um, makes sense. <laughs> uh, do you want to walk us through some of the more, um, just the history of the connection between witches and familiars and where that started? Yeah. So Cheyenne kind of touched on the fact that familiars, like the concept of familiars, even if that's not the term that would have been used in ancient Egypt is like a very ancient concept of just kind of our relationship to the natural world, right? Like that's a very ancestral thing that our ancestors always understood how to have that really like intimate spiritual connection with nature and with animals. Yeah, um, most ancient cultures are very animistic. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, but the actual term familiar and how it became connected to witches didn't actually show up until the witch trials in Europe. Um, and it's actually very distinctly an English witch trials thing. Mm -hmm. Um, which I find very fascinating because when you think about the kind of modern pop culture, like witches just seem so intertwined with familiars, but it was really one kind of specialized location where that really occurred. Touching on the mass hysteria, unsurprisingly, the reason that a familiar came into being was because it was a way that people could accuse people of having a direct connection to the devil. Like it was a manifestation of a demon in an animal's body and that's the way that the witch was able to 
interact directly with evil, right? And so there's actually this, I, I want to read kind of a passage from an article that I think really kind of encapsulates this really well. So the article is called Paltry Vermin, Cats, Meese, Toads, and Weasels, Witches, Familiars, and Human-Animal Interactions in the English Witch Trials. So it's a very long title, um, <laughs> but the author is Helen Parrish, and she writes that the presence of the familiar in witch trials is almost a uniquely English phenomenon, but is one that raises important questions about the nature and practitioners of witchcraft, the role of demons and the demonic in the actions of witches, and the challenge that witchcraft and familiars pose to traditional categorizations and assumptions around human and non-human interactions. The relationship between witch and devil was, was displayed in the contact between the human witch and the animal familiar, a relationship which in many respects presented a material embodiment of the demonic pact. The familiar acted a hybrid of learned demono demonological, say that 10 times fast, <laughs> anxieties about human commerce with demons and a popular culture and folklore that positioned animals, imps. So imp is another term that means kind of familiar or relationship to something like this. And fairies as intermediaries between humans and the numerous, numinous supernatural. Animal familiars made it possible to elide well-articulated views about demonic magic with the broader range of practices and supernatural encounters associated with cunning men and women. Animal familiars treated as pets and companions were not innocent participants in the practice of witchcraft, but creatures with agency, demons in corporeal form, whose interactions with the witch were problematic both conceptually and practically. Familiars were evidence of the permeable boundary that existed between humans and animals, the presence of demonic ritual and blood feeding among practitioners of magic, the moral and theological depravity of witchcraft, and the transgression of nature that lay at the heart of the witch. Dun, dun. So you can see just kind of how it was literally another, I mean, when you think about the witch trials, right, it was all based on BS, right? There was nothing right. that was really tangible when somebody was accused of being a witch and how much more can you lean into this like concept of the mystical than somebody who can literally interact with an animal that is of this like elevated platform right it's not just like an animal that it just exists in their home they can communicate they can you know help you move through journeys they can do all of these magical things and provide that assistance to the witch and then, you know, the other layer that I kind of want to lay on this is the whole concept that witch trials are rooted in patriarchy, right? In that how could a woman in particular, obviously pointing out the fact that men were very much accused of witches as well, but for the most part, witch trials really targeted women. Um, and the fact that a woman was not capable of having power on her own, she must have some sort of assistance. God forbid a woman be powerful without making a pact for the with the devil to get there. Mm -hmm. Where this kind of shows up in the modern world, as I mentioned, is the fact that this can be a reclaiming of this practice. Something else I want to kind of point out as well is um, something that I actually learned from Mystical Dylan. So if people watch the Witch of Wanderlust YouTube channel, there's a really great video that they have on familiars that I stumbled across while I was doing some research. Something that they point out that I think is really interesting too, is that demon comes from the word daemon in Greek, which literally just means spirit. So yeah. the word demon in and of itself was kind of this bastardization of 
the word spirit. And when you think about what a familiar is in its most basic form is a way to interact with spirit through some sort of vessel, whether that be a black cat or whether it be a plant. Um, it really reminds me of the book, Big Magic by yeah. Elizabeth Gilbert. Like that's the whole premise of her book. And as somebody who is a very talented writer, I really appreciate that she has this perspective of um, a lot of ideas that we have are conscious, right? They're, mm -hmm. They have their they own to energy. Yeah, they decide. Yeah. They invite they you decide to, to choose them. you and you can decide whether or not you want to take that idea and run with it, or if it is better suited to somebody else that has the capacity, the time, the environment to like run with it in their own way. Right. Um, so I, I do think that's a really beautiful thing, but also bringing this back to like relationships with plants, because that's how I view everything. <laughs> um, it's a similar kind of thing. Uh, when you think about the wise woman tradition of healing, for example, there's very much that perspective as well as that you are not, you are not a healer. Everybody is their own healer. You are this like, not necessarily conduit, but you co-create. You're a tool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You are somebody that acts as more of like a guide to help somebody uh, discover their own healing or work with plants in this co-creation reciprocal way um, to bring about their own healing. So it's not me as like this all knowing expert, right? Like that's not the end goal. You want to invoke that through somebody else. So yeah, it's very interesting. And yeah. I think very beautiful to think that we're not just these like all knowing beings that make this stuff happen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and along those lines too, and what I really like about the way that there's kind of a modern view on familiars is they're not something that you choose. So you yeah. can't like go up to your cat and say, Hey, you're my familiar. Now you're going to be like doing these workings with me. Um, and I think that's like a really interesting distinction of the fact that like kind of separates a familiar from like just a typical animal. Mm -hmm. Um, all animals have magical ability. If you think about it, right? Like all animals have this like divine connection to the interconnectedness of nature, but they might not necessarily be a familiar um, a familiar is more somebody that chooses you there. It, it's like that conscious idea coming to you, like what Elizabeth Gilbert talks about, or a lot of things in this practice, right? We don't just go out and seek it. It's like you have a stone that calls to you because that's the stone that wants to work with you in this point of time or a certain tree. Like you have a connection with a really beautiful tree. You didn't go out and necessarily seek that. It was something that called to you and was like that connection that you needed at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, familiars very much work in the same way. So you can't just be like, oh, I want this cat or I want my dragon to be my familiar. It's something that comes to you. Um, and it's a matter of consent and a reciprocal relationship. I think in that regard too, it's also, uh, I think personally, like obviously everything we talk about comes with nuance here, but I also think a, fam a familiar contract, right? If If an animal comes in and decides that they're going to assist you in this working. They're going to be a part of this energetic exchange. I also don't think that's a permanent bargain. Right. Like sometimes they might come at like very specific times. They might show up mm -hmm. in very specific times of your life based on what you're going through. You might have a familiar show up for one very specific type of magical working. Right. They never work with them again. Like yeah. I, I think a lot of, which is why like we as humans, right? Like we love our companion animals. That's like- we have that connection. We want to feel like you want to feel mm -hmm. that. Like, I want to feel like she knows what I'm talking about. Right. And while I think you can build, obviously you can build 
great relationships with your animals. And Telluride, like if I'm reading tarot, Telluride is in the room. Same with Marie. (laughs) I'm like, she loves tarot, but she doesn't show up for everything either. So Mm -hmm. like her being a companion, she's like a coven member. Right. Like she's just, uh, but I I don't (laughs) I don't, she's being so dumb right now. I don't think <laughs> anybody else is controlling this little brain <laughs> in this wild little cat that's here. Um, but I understand that desire, right? That like human right. desire for like, oh, this is my thing. She's mine. And you can still mm-hmm. have a deep spiritual connection with your pets. But I think, yeah, that that blurred line of like what a familiar actually is and how they interact with you magically. And again, this was something imposed on witchcraft, right? So yeah. your views on this might be completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just an interesting thing to to conceptualize too, because I think a lot of times you might have had familiar interactions that you may not have recognized as familiar interactions. Right. Um, and that's just like fascinating to think back on too of like when a certain animal has come into your life and impacted you and helped you either get through something or bring something to light. Um, I, I would hazard a guess that we all have more experiences like that, that we're not like consciously always aware of. Yeah. Um, there's another YouTuber that I came across doing some research. Um, their name is Bonnie from the, I don't speak French, so help me Cheyenne, but it's the C apostrophe EST. Is that say, is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. Say Bon Bon YouTube channel. Um, and she has a really beautiful video on familiars as well. And she talks about the fact that it's kind of that awareness thing too. Um, you know, like if you have a particular animal that you feel spiritually drawn to, particularly like wild animals, right? Like this is where it can be kind of hard to know whether or not it's a familiar. You just happen to have like an owl fly by, right? Um, but she's like, you know, if you pay attention to what you're thinking about at the time or, um, the rule of three can come into this a lot too. Like if you happen to take the same walk and you know, this owl shows up in the same way three times in a row and it happens to be around the same environment, you know, maybe there's something to that. It could just very well be that the the owl has a nest (laughs) in that part of the trail. Right. So you have to kind of use your intuition and your judgment as well. But that's what I think separates a familiar from a typical animal encounter as well Is like, what, what is that kind of more than coincidence? aspect of this. Yeah, it's um and it's interesting you mention owls and I think that brings up an important point too because owls for me are a method um by which I believe that my late grandpa Jerry communicates with me. He comes mm, to yeah. me as birds and more often than not he comes to me as owls. I'm someone who's had maybe more owl encounters especially in the daylight than almost anybody <laughs> I've ever met. Right. Um however, I know those are not familiar encounters for me. That is always very specifically a person, like mm-hmm. a spiritual being coming, um, who's like already a part of my team who I already have a connection with. Um, that's just how he presents to me. And uh, so it's interesting to like keep, like your discernment matters in all of the ways, right? Like I right. have a strong spiritual connection to the elephant as do a lot of people and a lot of cultures. Mm-hmm. Um but I was telling Shale before we started recording too, uh, since moving here, I have a resident coyote who comes up to our bedroom window every single day at the same time. And my neighbors told me that they've never seen her before, that she didn't show up until I showed up. And 
And what are you like? I'm curious too, like what energy do you feel? Like what's on your mind when she shows up? Like, yeah, describe that to me. Yeah, she, I believe. Um, and so again, like, I don't necessarily know that this coyote is my familiar either, right? Like, I think she is a, she's a steward of the land that I am on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was something I very intentionally, the first day I got here, I, where we are in particular, I am right on the edge of the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, so I live in a very wild place now. Um, we Ooh, that, that's that. like exciting in and of itself that you're in like this threshold space, like the, like yeah, the like literally I am in the liminal space. Like yeah. the desert is right there. I walk two minutes and I'm in the middle of the desert. And so when I got here, the energy that I feel in this space and in this house is very, it's very animist. It's very mm. land, nature, spirit based. It feels very almost like fae like in that sense where I'm like, I know this isn't, it's not spirits of the human dead. Yeah. And the desert like, just holds like such mystical energy too. Yeah. And so it's, um, I believe that she showed up after I like made my initial offerings, right? Like you give water here for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I made a very intentional, brought in my guides, help welcome us to this space. And like, obviously we're all residing on stolen land, but making that land acknowledgement, a part of my practice personally, mm-hmm was really important to me when we first moved in. And I spent a lot of time, especially in that space out back, asking permission to be here essentially. And that's when she started showing up. Oh, that's so beautiful. But it's, yeah, it's just interesting the different ways that that spirit does communicate. And I don't know. I mean, that's how I'm interpreting her presence. I think Mm -hmm. she's, she's a guardian here and she's making sure that like, I'm honoring my commitment to like be a steward of this space as well. Yeah. Ah, that gives me chills. (laughs) But let's talk about toads. Let's talk about other kinds of familiars. Yeah. So I, I feel similar to you. Um, and I don't know, cause there's something about toads. Like I remember watching Harry Potter and, you know, Ron Weasley receives a toad as his familiar. He has Um, a rat. Neville Longbottom has a toad. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. And he kind of like shits on it, right? He's like, oh, I just got a toad. And I was like, I remember even as like a young kid being like, what the heck? Like toads are so amazing. Like (laughs) I know Harry Potter has this beautiful freaking owl, but like, come on, like toads are so cool. And I've always just like, they bring this like childlike wonder to me. Like, I don't know what it is, but like, I immediately just get so excited when I see them. It can be like just a few. And I was telling (laughs) Cheyenne before we recorded, um, the other night I was out on a walk with my dog and this time of year in particular, I'm seeing a lot of them. And I was sending my husband just like a, being like a little kid where I'm like, oh, I've seen two toads tonight. No, three, no four, you know, and just like being like really excited about them. But um, it's really interesting because even just the other night, I remember as I was walking, thinking about the fact that like this time of year, as we're getting into August, like you can just feel energetically like the veil's getting thinner. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's like a thinning of the veil in the spring around Beltane, but it feels like this like expansive awakening where this feels like a a turning inward. Right. And it's like such a, I I know I'm like using mystical in this episode, like a ridiculous amount, but that's, there's no better way to describe it. Like there is something just so magical about the Samhain time of the year when the veil is thin. And I just feel like it's like this slow progression that you can feel it building up around this time of year. And I remember thinking about that where I'm like, "Mm, like, I, I just am getting that feeling right now. 
And all of a sudden all these toads are just showing up and it just feels like that kind of connection for me, or it feels like they show up when I'm just feeling like I'm questioning myself and my ability. And they're almost like this kind of like sense of like this little sign of empowerment in a way, which sounds wild because they're, they're a toad, you know, <laughs> but they're just such a special creature to me. Um, so if I were to think about like a wild type of familiar, I feel like that's what it is, but also kind of diving into the black cat thing too. And I was thinking about this, like, as I was watching that video from Bonnie about like a magically inclined animal versus a familiar, because even though like we've just gone into this about like a, a household pet is typically not your familiar. Um, the way that I met my black cat Marie was like a very fate-like type of a situation where, you know, I almost got this kind of impulsive desire where I was like, I really just feel like we need a cat in the family. <laughs> and this whole thing kind of materialized within just like a couple of weeks. Um, and so we kind of decided like, yeah, we, we want to get a cat. And then like just a few days later, I'm like scrolling and saw this ad for like an adoption event just randomly. And I was like, this is the one we have to go to. Like, there's just like this really strong feeling of this is where we need to meet this cat. And I just went in knowing like, I want a black cat just period. Like I wasn't even going to like look at other cats. Like that was just what I was going to get. And um, when we walked in, she was the first one I saw, like there's this whole lineup of little cats and cages, you know, being adopted out. And she was like right in my vision immediately. And it was like this, I'm going to get all like emotional. Like I love so her cute. so much, <laughs> but <laughs> she love her. was so amazing. Cause like, as soon as I took her out of her cage, she like nuzzled up and was like so friendly and snuggly and purry and like just immediate connection. Right. Yeah. And, um, she's interesting too, because she always like, feels like she's just always around. Like she's like the most social cat. And she's like very much like for us though, like her people, like she doesn't really care about, she could give a shit less if anybody else walks in the house. She has no interest whatsoever, but she has this very strong connection to us. And she's somebody who always wants to be around when there's types of workings, you know, or mm -hmm. like when I'm trying to do journey work or something, she wants to be like right in my lap. So it's like this really interesting dynamic. And it's like, I, I almost feel interested in asking her, like, would you want to be my familiar, you know, and like seeing if she's open to it versus like, but then there's that question of, or is she just like very magically inclined? I don't know, but there does something, there feels like something different about like the way in which we've met and like the serendipitousness of it and all of that, you know what I mean? That makes me kind yeah. of question whether she might, she might be in that realm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I think cats too, just have that, like I could, you can watch cats for hours. Like cats are such yeah. interesting animals and they are so just in tune with mm -hmm. their surroundings. And yeah, like Willie typically is not, Willie likes to be in the room because Willie is codependent. Willie is yeah. not in the room because she's like, oh, you're doing magic. Like, can I see what's going on? Right. Like Tellyred wants to be in it. She wants to lay on the cards. She'll like yeah. rub against the deck. She'll pull cards. Oh, that's, that's so favorite. cute. <laughs> if you like fan cards out, Tellyred will pick one. Oh, I love that. Uh, but again, it's like, is that her playing with me? Does she just think right. we're like having a game or is she connecting to it deeper I don't know <laughs> are you magic she's looking at me like duh 
I'm so curious too, when we, when this episode is live, um, I want all of you in the coven to tell us like what your familiar experiences are. If you, if you practice with familiars, again, this is something that seems to be kind of nebulous within the, the witchcraft community. So I'm curious who has familiar connections and who doesn't. Yeah. And like, do you agree? Like, how do you, how do you, because like Willie, like Willie is my soul dog, right? Like different to me, right? right? Like Willie feels like a part of me Mm -hmm. and her and I have an ability to kind of communicate telepathically at times. But again, I think that's a testament to our relationship and not like any external being working through her. Yeah. And especially with the concept of familiars being like imposed on witchcraft too, like it kind of makes me think of the conversations we've had with Sterling in the paranormal community, right? Of there was that whole experiment of people working to create Stephen the ghost, right? Yeah. And that this collective energy actually manifested like something. raised a conscious being. Yeah. Yeah. So it, could something be similarly happening in the witchcraft space of people who practice with familiars that maybe that wasn't something that existed before, but now does, or it opened up another aspect of working with the divine and the spiritual. I don't know. It's like fascinating to think about. Well, and I think we should, um, like pause and rewind just very briefly to talk about the role familiars played. Like we're talking about this in a, in a more modern context too, of like how our connection and how we view this, but familiars played like a very pivotal role in the persecution of accused witches. Mm -hmm. If we were podcasting in the year 1560, (laughs) she would not have made it to season five, first of all. (laughs) Shayla and I would not be here and right. the fact that like we can have this conversation and like even have it in like silly kind of nuanced ways and take it in these different directions is you know a, a direct result of years of, I mean decades and centuries of yeah. persecution and patriarchy and murder mm-hmm. um <laughs> so you know with again like we talked about at the beginning like familiars were alleged to be packs witches were making with the devil right it was a gift it was a gift from satan himself and like okay daddy i would like one (laughs) how come he's never come to me like i I just love how we just went for this like very powerful space i'm sorry daddy i am a criminal (laughs) i should not be allowed to speak criminal Uh, (laughs) criminal behavior it's all about balance here on obmm it's about that we're having margaritas yeah literally at 8 a.m come on fine uh, <laughs> but like how come everyone else is making packs with the devil like what am I doing wrong is my question <laughs> why have I not been gifted um, anyway so familiars were uh the companion you received in exchange for your soul like your yeah. soul you swapped it and so they would carry out your malevolent tasks was what they were branded right. with right by the right by the people outside of the know. So they would spy for you. They would curse your enemies and they would aid and abet you in harmful magic. And so like the most common familiars depicted were like cats, dogs, bird, mice, like little small animals. Um, mm-hmm. Cats particularly associated with witches. And rabbits too. Like rabbits, rabbits to be yeah. like so connected to Bunnies all of are this. so sweet. I know. I know. How uh, did rabbits become like such an occult icon when they're like, I know. I'm like rabbits are literally, they look like a child created them. Like <laughs> literally, like somebody, like they're not real. They're too cute. 
Um, so, you know, many accused witches were then tortured, obviously, and forced mm -hmm. to confess their familiars, which led to the execution of both the witches and their animal companions. So, yeah. like, the fear and association between familiars and witchcraft, like, perpetuated for centuries, established this widespread superstition around, like, Black cats in particular. Well, I mean, even look at Black cats today, like, there's still such a fear of them. Animal shelters will not adopt black cats in the month of October. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, because, ugh, because we as people suck so right. much and people will take out their fear or like try to get their like Halloween kicks by mm -hmm. torturing innocent fucking animals. And the, the, like, so the decline of witch trials kind of happened in the enlightenment era. Mm -hmm. That's where we started taking a more rational scientific approach to the, our understanding of the natural world. And then the kind of view, the cultural view of familiars kind of shifted to be more superstitious, right? It's when witchcraft, it's when those, uh, when those stories started turning from like historical relevance, narrative was rewritten both to protect the accusers right, and make it seem less intense and awful. And then it started, you know, perpetuating more of the mythology, the folklore, um, mm -hmm. and like the superstitions rather than like actual manifestations of witchcraft. So uh, interpretation started to evolve, right? Right. So I think it'd Can be I tell fun. you something funny really quick? Yeah, of I course. did uh I did ask ChatGPT to write us a script for this episode. Just did you? I almost did that today too. <laughs> okay, but it's really cute. Um because they gave us names like different names oh really <laughs> and, and it's I mean ChatGPT is cheesy as fuck when you ask it to do stuff like right this. yeah it's just it's not it doesn't work like we could not read this script but I want to read you some of them because it's fucking funny uh so it's hey there witches and warlocks welcome to another bewitching episode of Ouija oh my Bart god the podcast I'm your host mystic mandy and as always i'm joined by my co-host enchanting eric and then eric speaks up and he goes hey magical mavens ready to dive into the hair-raising history of witch familiars buckle up it's gonna be a wild ride you betcha eric witch familiars have been you a part betcha, of our spellbinding world for centuries picture this ancient civilizations where people believed animals had serious mystical mojo Oh God. It's, and it just goes like, on. And it's Ken very had funny. a witchy podcast. If Ken had a witchy podcast, that's what asking ChatGPT to write our podcast is like. <laughs> um, so very funny. But so it just made me laugh because I just saw Mystical Mandy pop up on my thing as I was scrolling through notes. I love that. So I think it would be fun to kind of round out this episode by exploring some of the um correspondences of certain types of familiars. So we've talked a lot about cats, right? Um, yes. And how they've been revered for their mystical ability. Um, but it's really about their ability to also pass between worlds. Like they can literally be in our physical presence and somewhere else at the same time. Like they just have this crazy ability that way. I don't um, think my karma is good enough to come back as a cat. <laughs> yeah, I know. Honestly, that's like our goal. How do I come back in my next life? How do I come cat? back as a cat? And I'm just like, I know I'm not doing it. I'm not living as a human well enough to come back as a cat. <laughs> right? Um, cats are also known to be independent AF, right? And they look out for themselves first, always like that's just period. Um, but what's 
really interesting about them as a familiar present is that they can help to invoke this within ourselves, how we can look to put ourselves first more often. Self-care um, queens. I love it. Yeah. And how they can be um, also sensitive to physical or to psychic ability, excuse me, which makes them a natural assistant for journey work. Um, and as well as like things like channeling, obviously, or spell work and rituals, but they have that ability to kind of take us to the next level. They're a force multiplier, if you will. <laughs> I, you know, what's really interesting about that is I, I, and I kind of like briefly talked about this earlier, but since Willie has, Willie doesn't hear anymore. She's totally deaf. She's 13. Oh, Willie. Um, but in like my mediumship work in my spirit communication practice of the last year and in talking to um, my teachers like Sterling, I've started like making telepathy a more intentional part of my mm. relationship with both of my animals. Yeah. I encourage you to try this because it's actually very, very interesting where I have had moments where I will like, I will call Willie in my head. Yeah. And take a couple of times. And I imagine myself getting louder and louder and like burrowing it into her. And she will wake up from a dead sleep, like a snoring, oh. running dead sleep and like, look at me immediately and come over. And it's like, it's not foolproof. It's not every time. And you have to have a close enough connection. Well, it's a practice, your, right? Like yeah, it's a, you're like working it's, a muscle. It's reciprocal, but there have been moments, um, like if I'm out on a walk and I need her to like, leave, she doesn't hear leave it anymore. Right. If she's yeah. like, finding a piece of garbage on the ground or whatever right. <laughs> say it in my head without giving her any cues on the leash and she'll respond to it hmm. so it's just really in- I haven't tried it with Telluride because Telluride can hear me and she's a dick so <laughs> well it's kind of like that. defaulting to your first language right like when you're yeah. trying to learn a second language and you can't think of a word you're trying to say so you default back to like saying it in English and hope that they understand right Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that's similar. If, if Telly can hear you, you're going to want to default to that. It's easier than yeah, working this other like, muscle. Yeah, out of my head, I'm bored. Like, go yeah. away, I'm busy. <laughs> um, but like with Willie and with Willie, where I especially do it, it's not usually to communicate like something I want her to do. Most of the time, I'm just telling her that I love her and she's a good girl, right? Yeah. Like, you're so good. Like, I need you to know that you're still good, even though you're not hearing me say that you're good all the time. Oh my and God, that's going to make me cry. Isn't it awful? It, I lost it. There was ah, a moment where I was like- so to think about. <laughs> no, there was a day where I literally, and that's when I started talking to Sterling about this. Cause there was a day where I was like, Oh my God, when did I tell Willie? She was a good girl for the last time that she fucking heard me out loud. Oh my God. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> so like, so I'm like actually tearing up. Wow. It's hard. It's so it's, yeah. hard. I cry about this dog every single day of my life. <laughs> you can see why. Like, fine. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really interesting the ways that, that this practice uh, kind of shows up in my everyday mundane life too, right? Like I'm not yeah. always doing big magical working. Sometimes I just want to like tell you you're good. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so beautiful. But well, sad, sad old dog <laughs> tangent. <laughs> but that was actually another one I had on my list of like dogs as familiars. Um, because yeah. also it's really interesting too, because like dogs have kind of this like dual way they show up like they're either known as like the symbol of like absolute positive energy and loyalty and all of that but they're also like this energy of like protector um like strong will that kind of a thing um but they also can help us to have that awareness of where we might be experiencing danger um and helping us to kind of hone in those energies so it's like this like balancing of this beautiful 
friendly connection to everything that's around us, but also having that like awareness and discernment at the same time. Right. Um, cause like dogs are that way too, where they like that saying of like, I don't trust people that a dog doesn't like, you know, like, I think that's where that really shows up. Um, another one that's valid. really interesting. I've, I've broken up with people that Willie didn't. Oh like. yeah. I, I would absolutely break up with people that Willie doesn't like. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another one that's interesting is bats, which I feel like are the dogs <sighs> of the sky. <laughs> fucking love um, bats. So of course they have Halloween. I don't freaking love that. (laughs) Um, because they have like an affinity for everything nocturnal, everything about the night, right? And like how we didn't talk about third nipples. What? (laughs) (laughs) I I know that sounded like it wasn't relevant, but you talked about bats and immediately in my brain. Yeah, like the witches mark. I got vampire bats who are suckling blood. And so witches are alleged to have a third nipple. I don't know where mine is. So that's where they say that it's like somewhere on your body, you're supposed to have uh a, a blood feeding nipple. Right. And so that like that encouraged this mass hysteria. But bats made me think about sucking blood, which again is incorrect because bats don't do that either. Right. Even the ones that eat blood don't do that. Mm-hmm. So bats get a bad rap for sure. Well, and then they're also connected to the moon cycle, right? Of like how we can invoke that energy into ourselves. And so like bats can be a familiar that really helps you to connect to that cyclical nature that witches are really familiar with. Oh, I love um, that familiar with LOL. Yeah. <laughs> a- <laughs> LOL. Um, and then the last one, I think that like, I mean, a familiar could be anything. It can be bugs. It can be ravens. It can be rabbits like we talked about. But um, the other one that I think is really interesting is goats. Because again, when you're thinking about like connection to the occult, goats just show up, which again is like such a fun, like funny animal because like when you see goats in day-to-day life, they're just like chaotic is all get out. And they're, they're like just dumb goofy. little cartoons. They you're literally like, are. are like you, you don't even think they have a brain. So it's like how they became like this revered animal. I don't know. But goats are like camels to me where I'm like, who made you? Like who, like <laughs> what, what random body parts did you shove onto this animal that you were yeah. like, yeah, that one put it out there. But I think also where goats show up is because they have that connection to Pan, the nature God, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they just seem to be like this symbol of nature in and of itself, which again is interesting because like you would think a more like wild animal would embody that, but somehow it is interesting it's domestic. That when we talk about goats, we're thinking about domesticated goats. Right. Yeah. Or, a or like goat. a mountain goat. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm thinking of like a little, like Taylor Swift, I thought you were trouble. Go. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> uh, in the, I think their uh, eyes are creepy. Goats have creepy eyes. They do have rectangle pupils, might be a sign of the devil. I get it. Honestly, yeah. Checks out. Checks actually. out. <laughs> well, that's I not like fair. Could... Horses have rectangle. Well, horses are probably connected to the devil, too. Speaking as a former horse girl. Yeah. Former horse girl, I forever horse girl. <laughs> I literally have a tiny horse figurine within reaching distance of me right now. Former horse, girl. literally. I have like a drawing of a horse I did not that long ago, like right over here. <laughs> cute. I always doodle horses too. It's like the one thing I cared about learning how to draw. Same, dude. Like that's all I draw is horses. I don't draw oh, anything. Funny. Else. All right, we're just calling ourselves out left and right in this one. <laughs> anyway, I think that's probably a good wrapping up point for our first episode of season five i'm excited we're back feels good brushing off the cobwebs except we don't do that because spiders are our friends yeah 
brushing out the dust. Which I literally had to do off of my microphone this morning. So that checks out. <laughs> that's, that's how long it's been since we've hung out in the airway with you. All right. So that brings us to a very important question. What, what is our perwitchin slip? Our first perwitchin slip of season five as it relates to familiars. Your perwitchin slip is... Mm, it's interesting because I want people to think about their relationship. I want you to think about how animal spirits have shown up in your life and in what, yeah. in what moments they have come to you and how that has kind of helped you work things out. Or if you are someone who like, like me, right. Who's, a, I was obsessed with elephants for like ever <laughs> love elephants. Elephants are great. Um, but like, if you were like one of those kids in high school, right. If like wolves were your animal mm. as a kid, or you were like, so obsessed with axolotls I don't fucking know but that's a good one to be obsessed with though <laughs> like if you're gonna pick something they're little smiley they literally have permanent smiles on their face like they're how can you so not cute. they look like an emoji they're just like little happy little dudes all the time um but like when did that start for you like I I would invite you to do some self-reflection of like why did this why did this animal become the animal for me yeah and then kind of unpack that and see see where uh where it might have a little bit of a deeper meaning for you I don't know if that's a perwitchin slip that's just what I want you to do well I think where that kind of plays in is like this whole concept that we've been talking about today of making the practice your own right like I do think that's a theme in our perwitchin slips a lot but I think in this context in particular of if familiars are something that calls to you and you feel that spiritual connection go for it if not that's fine too. And yeah, see how this kind of shows up for you and take that time to explore. Yeah. I love it. Perwitch and slip. Oh, here it is. Perwitch and slip to not, <laughs> this sounds bad. I was going to say to not take like full responsibility for all of your actions. Like you're responsible. <laughs> no, we like accountability on this channel. <laughs> like you are responsible for that, but maybe not full responsibility for your successes. Think back mm. on how, like, I would encourage you, your perwitch and slip is to celebrate the things and people who have helped you succeed. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. It's like, we are not the center of even our own universe. Right. So your perwitchin slip is to humble yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kick it off season five. Be humble. (laughs) Be humble. That's the theme. All right. Well, cheers to that. Cheers, witches. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm e algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers.